Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. I'm Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about Ukrainian refugees in Catalonia. It's over one month since Russia launched its large-scale military invasion of Ukraine. Almost six and a half million people have been internally displaced within Ukraine and over three and a half million people have fled the country. Catalonia has already welcomed over 14,000 Ukrainian refugees and that number is increasing by the day. On this week's episode of Filling the Sink, we're taking a look at the efforts being made to accommodate refugees, both by the authorities and by ordinary people too. We visit the small town of Gisona, a little Ukraine in western Catalonia, and we hear the story of Alexandra, who, along with her two kids, fled Ukraine across Europe and was taken in by Irina, a childhood friend now living in Catalonia. Joining me today are Gifrey Jordan and Gerard Escatch Falk. Good to see you both. Hello, how are you? A pleasure, Lorcan. Now, there's a big effort going on, Gerard, to welcome refugees fleeing the war in Ukraine involving all the administrations here, the Catalan, Spanish, local councils and, and charities too, the Red Cross, etc., etc. Yes, well, and ordinary people as well. It's not just you, uh, refugees arriving here in Catalonia going to organizations, they are going to families, friends, houses. And it is very visible, actually, because, for instance, if you go to Barcelona Sand Station, which is like the main station in, in the country, I'd say you can see an area uh, in order to uh, give the first welcoming for refugees, like the first minutes, uh, because, you know, refugees are coming by road, by plane and by train too. Yeah, I suppose Catalonia's geography plays a little bit of a role in that, doesn't it? Because it's, you know, you've got the Pyrenees and and then... Yeah, and then then, yeah, exactly. You have the Pyrenees with the border with France and then it's like more or less just like a... A door to Spain for people to come via um, by road as well, but also by train, as we just say. But well, there are just two highways crossing Spain and France, and one of them is in Catalonia, and there's one high-speed train link crossing from Spain uh, to France, and it is in Catalonia. And of course, Barcelona El Prat Airport is, is a massive airport as well, really well connected. So absolutely, a lot of people are arriving. We said fourteen thousand. But we should probably just explain that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to settle here or stay here, even in the medium term. Yeah, absolutely. So the figures have been growing and growing, but it's impossible to say exactly how many refugees are in Catalonia, because as Gerard has just said, some stay with their relatives living here. Worth noting is that 25,000 people from Ukraine already lived in Catalonia before this others came. So just... You know, to put like the figures yeah. in a scale somehow. So it's it's not inconceivable that that number could be doubled, like in, uh, in a few weeks or actually, something. Actually, cattle government says that probably we will get one refugee per Ukrainian person yeah, in yeah. a while. So that would mean twenty five thousand. Uh, Ukrainian refugees. And in terms of some of them, as we've said, have places to stay when they arrive. And for those that don't, um, well, the Catalan government set up a network of hostels, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Since day one, when the invasion started, the Catalan government already like set up the network for hostels. And for mainly at the time was for Ukrainians that came to Barcelona or Catalonia visiting some relatives or friends or just for tourism. As they couldn't return home, they needed a place to stay. Obviously, now it's mainly used for refugees. But yeah, it started mainly for Ukrainians that were stuck in Catalonia. Of course, of course. And before being allocated one of these hostels or other places, 
the first uh, place they go is uh, Barcelona's exhibition center, Fira Barcelona. This has been converted into a mass Yeah, a massive welcoming information point for all Ukrainians arriving here. In fact, there are three information points across Spain. One of them is here in Barcelona. I remember uh, during at the start of the pandemic when it was used for to house homeless people during the first wave of the pandemic. And of course, well, actually, it's in, in, in one of the pavilions there that I got my COVID jabs as well. So this is... It's all related, but in this case, they don't get to sleep there. They just are welcome there and they like have Red Cross, for example, or the Spanish government does the paperwork or helps them like looking for an accommodation or for food. So you've got officials there and you've got kind of humanitarian aid at the same time. So it's all, all in the one place is the idea. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we did do a podcast just kind of on the immediate reaction to the war in Ukraine here in Catalonia, covering the protests and stuff. And Gifre, we mentioned this town of Gisona, which is a little bit special, maybe because it's a small town um, with a massive Ukrainian population. Yeah, Gisona, this this little town between Barcelona and Lleida, its population, it's 7,500 people. And out of those 7,500, 1,000 is Ukrainian. So, I mean, Mm. it's a a hub for Ukrainians in Catalonia. Uh, Loads of refugees have uh, relatives here in Gisona. And the reason they've come, some of them, is because some relatives are there in this town. Okay, so just last week then, Gifre, you took a trip to Gisona to see how the town was welcoming these new arrivals. I can't imagine how much of a contrast it must be fleeing Ukraine and the sounds of war and suddenly being in Gisona, where the chirping of birds is the loudest noise you can hear. This was my first thought when I arrived in this quiet little town. Its enormous meat manufacturing company, Bonaria, has shaped Gisona for decades, with thousands of migrants, many of them Ukrainians, living here due to the amount of jobs available. My first stop was a school where Ukrainian is being taught. Long-standing courses have now been extended to welcome refugees. I could see all the children mixing and playing as their teacher was getting ready. Could there be a warmer greeting for them? Leaving them behind, I had to rush to the local council. Some volunteers were waiting for me. This is Romania Jus, a Ukrainian who has been living in Gisona for 16 years and is volunteering as an interpreter. They help refugees communicate with the locals who are accommodating them and also explain them how to deal with the everyday issues here, such as the queuing system at the doctors or at the market. But these volunteers are especially key because they are the first ones to break the layer of initial mistrust some half with local authorities and entities. In fact, Romania told me a woman with her four children arrived in Gisona the other day. And at the beginning, she didn't even want to leave them with the volunteers in order to go to the toilet. Another volunteer I spoke to, Ignasi Rivera, is focused on housing. And like Romania, he told me many are in total shock upon arrival. But in a couple of days, he adds, children are already playing with the volunteer allocated to help that family take the first steps. And their mums smile at the volunteers when they come across them in the street, recognizing their help. Newcomers either live with relatives, local council housing, or with locals that provide flats, rooms or premises for free. 
but until when? Mica, mica, si això duri molt temps. According to Ignazi, everyone wants to go back home now, obviously. But if this drags on, they'll have to start working in order to have their own home. Now the priority is providing them with the town hall registration, the padró, the stepping stone of the new life in Catalonia, the mayor of Gisona, Jaumaras, told me. Public health care and education will follow after this basic paperwork, which, by the way, some are reluctant to sign due to the initial mistrust Romania mentioned. It was already dark when I left the town hall, and its facade was decorated with a Ukrainian flag and blue and yellow lights. My last stop was Kisana Secondary School, also adorned with Ukrainian ribbons, flags and posters made by students. Um, soc professor de socials aquí a l'Institut de Guissona. This is Jordi Ticó, a social sciences teacher in the school. Pues aquí va impactar bastant, molt. Shortly after the war breakout, he told me, they held an event in their playground with some speeches, and teachers interrupted their usual syllabus to explain concepts such as the Cold War or NATO to help them understand what's going on. They already have five refugees in the school, and they go straight into a special welcome classroom, which fits up to 20, a cap that will for sure be reached. They are used to accepting students new to the country, yet, as Jordi said, now they may have to deal with kids whose fathers die at war. While it is not the case yet, Jordi wonders how to cope with this sadly probable circumstance. Thank you, Gifre, for that report from Gisona. We heard from Romagna, Ignazi, Jauma and Jordi, so thanks to all of them. Gifre, in terms of the profile of a typical refugee, did you learn anything about that? Yeah, actually, uh, some of them told me that mostly they are welcoming women with or without kids, hardly any men. Of course, because uh, in general, they're not allowed to leave Ukraine at the minute. Yeah, if they are between the ages of 18 to 60. And they found that interesting that no elderly people are coming right. to Missona uh, because most of them or some of them are staying in their places in Ukraine. They yeah. don't want to leave their home. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it must be very daunting as well to set off, even no matter what's happening at home, you, you know, if you're a certain yeah. age, just to, to take up and go. Um, there are so many administrative things then to sort out once they get here. Starting off, Gerard, with the Padro, what is yeah, this? It's the town hall registration, we could say it like that way. Just you registering to the town hall of where you're staying, just saying, hey, I'm a neighbor in this town, I'll pay taxes in this place, and obviously if something happens, I'm here. Yeah, So, and that's kind of like the first step. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's that the first opens the door to all the other procedures. Exactly. It? Without a Padro, you will not be able to get a health card. You will not be able to get a work permit because you are not based here. Yeah, actually, the Qatar government uh, told us this week because we've asked about COVID vaccinations for refugees and so on. And they were like, yeah, we are treating them uh, like any other person. As long as they have this Padro, this town hall registration, they are entitled to get uh, free public health care. 
you know, that makes them eligible also to get uh, COVID vaccines. So health is covered. I mean, a, another priority. We said there's a lot of kids arriving. So getting them into schools is another priority. Yeah, exactly. In fact, this week, the Qatar government announced that they already have over 1,000 Ukrainian refugee students in Qatar and schools. Obviously, it's a little bit complicated because here, as we learned recently, the Qatar schools have an Qatar immersion system. So the working language is Qatar. These Ukrainian refugee students, they don't speak Spanish or not even a lot of them speak English. So they mainly uh, are welcome to what they call aulas de acuillida, so like welcoming classes. Mm -hmm. So they can learn language, adjust a little bit at the start. Exactly. And then other things that we've seen is just, for example, there is a... There was a Ukrainian student in uh, in Tarraga, a town nearby Gizona. Uh, we saw a Katan student from a Ukrainian background, like being the translator for one of the <laughs> Ukrainian refugees that just arrived. So it was like a little bit the teacher saying something, then the students translating, and then the poor kid like saying, "Where am I?" <laughs> but that's yeah, nice, but that, isn't it? That, yeah. that, that creates a bond, actually. Yeah. That, that's what the teacher in Gizona that we just heard about uh, told me about. Like, well, it's good to have other Ukrainians in. Mm. The classrooms because they can be very helpful and uh, the new kids mm, kind of find themselves in a closer uh, atmosphere or in a more yeah like they feel a little bit more at home even yeah. though they're, they're they're so far from home you know and obviously these younger children have come with with their mothers uh, generally but there's also this case where Gifrey we have seen under 18s who have come without any parent or guardian absolutely yeah um, i mean as of march the 18th like a week ago or so there were over 150 minors without legal uh, guardian here and well the top priority for authorities here is to find a foster family for them that's the, the very basics because they don't have any and also well schooling them and providing uh, of course, uh, health care, public health care. But of course, um, finding them some uh, reference at home, but also in the schools. You know, some schools can play this role of uh, having an adult who, who can refer to this uh, child. That is one of the priorities for these cases. And then in terms of adults, I mean, once they sort out the basics, I guess they're going to be asking what about the right to work and and even residency and how does that work? Absolutely. If you are uh, from outside the EU um, and coming from certain countries, you might find a lot of um, administrative hurdles in order to get this work and residency permits. But it's not the case for Ukrainian refugees because the Spanish government has eased this process, has made it faster than than usual. And actually, as of Monday this week, we know that over 1,250 people in Catalonia, newcomers, refugees, have already uh, gotten these uh, temporary permits in order to legally live and work here. Yeah, in fact, like the, we've seen some municipalities, like for example in Gizona or Targa, that they are helping Ukrainian refugees uh, do the paperwork. So they are setting up buses to go all together to the police station or to one of the information points such as Fira de Barcelona one. So going from these kind of smaller towns where they might be uh, housed exactly. to the, the, the bigger cities where they can do all these all the uh, paperwork processes. And this way they don't have to book an appointment, they don't have to coordinate because that's already taken care by authorities. So it's easier for them just arrive there, hop on the bus, get there, do the paperwork and return home. 
Now, we actually haven't heard yet from any Ukrainian refugees on the podcast today, so let's put that right. Gerard, you caught up with Irina, a Ukrainian living in Catalonia, and first Alexandra, who's just arrived, fleeing the war. Let's take a listen. My name is Alexandra, and I come from the town of Zaporizhia in Ukraine. I arrived in Spain one week ago, and I came here because I have a friend, and I can stay with my daughters. Alexandra is a Ukrainian refugee. When she first arrived in Catalonia, she was taken in by her childhood friend before moving to a hostel, Alberg Centres Play, in the town of El Prat de Llobregat, near Barcelona airport. Alexandra is waiting for the Red Cross to give her a more permanent place to stay, either near her friend's home or close to some other people she knows based in the seaside town of Salo. But her first place in Catalonia was Irina's house, a Ukrainian currently living in the town of Ruy and a Spanish resident since 2006. Irina tells me how Alexandra, her childhood friend, called her. She says that Alexandra said they were lucky as they could escape the war by train, so Irina and her husband picked them up in Barcelona and took them to their home. They then coordinated with authorities to see what the next step was for people to stay here after their long journey. On March 1st, we crossed the Slovakian border and we got on the train in the city of Kosice to the capital, Bratislava. The girls and I traveled across Europe by train for five days. We had to stop in the French city of Lyon because I got sick because of the stress. I used to be a journalist, but due to the war, I had to quit and come here. Just like Alexandra, thousands of Ukrainians have had their life appended in a matter of days, or even a split second. While Alexandra and her two daughters are safe in El Prat de Llobregat, her husband is still in Ukraine, sheltering from the war. I speak with my husband every day. He is with his parents living in the basement in the outskirts of the city because there are shootings just outside the city. They don't know what it is. They are really scared to be in a similar situation to Kharkiv or Kyiv. They are scared that our city is going to be bombed. Irina shares Alexandra's fears for her family too, as her mother is still in Ukraine. She lives in Berdyansk, near the Sea of Azov, and the city of Mariupol, Irina tells me. She explains there is not enough food for the 170,000 residents in the city. Right now there are soldiers nearby, but so far they have not been bombing the city, as there are only civilians, she says. Irina can still speak with her mother on the phone, and she tells Irina she is safe at the moment. We'd like to return, but we don't know what will happen in Ukraine. We don't know when the war will end. While Alexandra wants to return to Ukraine as soon as possible, Irina hopes her mother can escape the war soon, as humanitarian aid, she explains, is currently halted across the country. We're just waiting for a miracle to happen, she says. So we heard from Alexandra and Irina, our thanks to them. We heard Irina mention humanitarian aid there. And in just a sec, we will let you know what you can do if you want to help out. 
first, Gifrey, I wanted to come, you know, the, it's, you know, it's been a great effort, a very cohesive effort, if you like. A lot of uh, administrations working together that incredible. sometimes don't see I'm eye to eye. Here. It's incredible. But, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I suppose we should say as well, there are some disagreements or maybe a few little cracks into the best approach to refugees coming mm-hmm. here, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, local councils are helping refugees to get their registration, their padro, we just mentioned it. The Catalan government is helping them to get schooling and health. The Spanish government is helping them to get work and residency permits. So that is something that other people displaced from conflicts, from wars, asylum seekers are not getting. And, you know, some parties uh, such as far-left coup, for instance, and some public figures in uh, some social entities too, are mentioning and are just complaining about like this contrast yeah why it is so easy despite the circumstances obviously for ukrainian refugees and not for refugees coming from other places such as syria for instance Mm. and yeah this is uh, their complaint and it's a question to be raised also to authorities another thing we said was that uh, catalonia because of its geographic location because it's a big population center as well because there's already a ukrainian community here is receiving a lot of uh, ukrainian refugees and that's something that has prompted the catalan government to say to the spanish government that you know that needs to be recognized kind of in terms of financial support too yes and spain agrees so there was like a a really big summit between the spanish president and uh, regional governments, including the Catalan president, uh, Pere Aragonés, who attended such a meeting for the first time in 10 years. There were no Catalan presidents in this type of summit uh, since 2012. But because of these circumstances, the Catalan government left uh, their um, underlying grievances behind. And he attended and they all agreed to fund all this uh, humanitarian efforts that we are all making. But yeah, Catalonia says, okay, that's nice words. It, it is a good manifesto and good compromise, but we do need the money. So this has to translate into money. Mm, a specific economic fund they want set up. Now, Gerard, as well, if you're living in Catalonia and if you do want to help, whether that's helping refugees coming here or helping people in Ukraine. Uh, you've got a few options. Yeah, there are plenty. The main one is uh, the Catalan government website. They set up the ukraine.gencat.cat. Okay, so Ukraine in English, dot gencat, is G-E-N-C-A-T, dot cat. Yeah, the official website. And there you can see different options such as I want to help or if I'm a refugee and I'm like affected, what I'm supposed to do. And people that want to help, they can like, send help to Ukraine, taking a family or a minor, or even like donate material, because that's like uh, what they were saying at the beginning, mainly donate material, but now obviously welcoming someone at their home. But there are other many options, just check the local council where you live, because they will like tell you, okay, yeah, we need aid to provide to Ukrainians or like those Ukrainians that arrive to the town, just in Gizona, for example, there are many, or donate money rather than material or food to organizations. The Catan government and entities say it's better to donate money to entities next to Ukraine, just in the Polish border or like nearby, because it will facilitate their work as well as buying the material because they know what they are lacking of. Okay, and that website again was ukraine.gencat.cat. 
Time now for our Catalan phrase. Gifre, you've got one for this week? Yeah, it's allargar la ma. Allargar la ma. So to reach out your hand? Yeah, no? something like that. A literal translation. But what it means, it's to help yeah. someone, you know. Allargar la ma algo is like to, to help yeah, someone, someone. Because you're extending your yeah, yeah. hand. Making your hand longer, literally. Exactly, <laughs> literally that. Literally that. <laughs> In order to give or donate or something like give that. Give a helping hand, we would say in English. Okay, that works, that works. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Big thanks to everyone who spoke to us for this week's podcast. Do drop us a line on social media or email fillingthesink at acn.cat if you want to get in touch. Thanks very much for tuning in. And thank you, Gerard and Gifre, for joining me today. Thank you to you. It's always yeah. a pleasure. See you next time. We'll be back again next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adieu.